you're ready, Lazary. I thought there was going to be the Put the oh, fucking bad. sandwich down. I was eating. I was eating. <laughs> Welcome back to the Cape Swoosh Podcast. I'm Jeremy Doyle. It's good to see you've braved your way back here because we've got a delicious story to bite into. Chew by John Lehman and Rob Guillory. Before we dig in, there's a couple of things to note. Since we haven't won the world's biggest jackpot just yet, we don't own the rights to Chew, its characters, story, or anything else. We are here to show our love and appreciation and share it with you fellow fans. So, if you like today's story, please check out the rest of Chew, or any of the works by Layman, Guillory, or any image comics that you can fancy at your local comic book shop. And, if you're not familiar with Chew or feel like you need a refresher, please check out our last podcast where Matt and I laid out the menu. So enough foodie double meanings. Let's meet our players. I'm Daniel Rutz, and I'm playing Tony Chew. I'm Matt Delhauer, and I am playing store clerk Jack Colby, Agent Mason Savoy, and Captain April. Hi, I'm Cody Harris, and I am playing Chow Chu and Tracy Lee. I'm Nick Petromilli, and I'm playing The Waiter. I'm Jeremy Doyle, and I'm playing The Bouncer. Chew, Issue 1, by John Lehman. We open on a kitchen prep table, where an unidentified person begins preparing a recipe. Slow-simmered, shredded chicken, vegetable, and three-bean soup. The cook begins by chopping a variety of ingredients and adding them to the broth. Carrots, potatoes, etc. As they begin on the onions, however, they cut their finger on the blade. Ah, shit! Goddamn! They bleed profusely on the chopped onions and cutting board. Without hesitation, without cleaning or dressing the wound, they toss the blood-covered onions into the broth. End prologue. Meet Tony Chu. Tony Chu is almost always hungry and almost never eats. Here's why. Tony Chu is a sepapathic. That means he can take a bite of an apple and get a feeling in his head about what tree it grew from, what pesticides were used on the crop, and when it was harvested. Or he could eat a hamburger and flash onto something else entirely, such as the moment of the cow's slaughter. Strangely enough, the only food Tony Chu can eat and not get a psychic sensation from is beets. Consequentially, Tony Chu eats a lot of beets. Anything else, sir? Just the beets, please. Tony Chu is a cop. Philly PD. John Colby is his partner. Yeah, and I'll take all this good stuff. 32-ounce cup of joe, two packs of camel unfiltered, and make it snappy at Pooh. We're on the clock. Whatever you say, officer. Why must you antagonize that kid? He spits in your coffee you know, every night. Yeah, and if I ever catch the little bastard doing it, I'm gonna ram my nightstick so far up. Vice cops don't carry nightsticks. Yeah, always the stickler, you. What are you doing out here anyway? Somebody's supposed to stay in the van at all times while we're on a stakeout. What can I say, Chew? I'm the unhinged, break any rule, loose cannon cop. You're the by the book square that never met a departmental regulation you couldn't love. That's why we work so well together. Work well together? Colby, we hate each other. <laughs> well, yeah, there's that. They walk back to their van, parked in a dark alley in the slums. This would be their last night on the job. The last night of the stakeout. They continue to observe what appears to be an abandoned upholstery shop across the street, when suddenly a light pops on and a lone figure wanders out, 
closely guarding a bag to their chest. Oh, heads up. Looks like we got some carry out. Hmm. What do you think? Let him get a few blocks away and ticket him? Colby puts on an advanced set of infrared goggles and observes some food-shaped items in the man's bag. Nah, he's holding a couple of wings, probably less than a pound. Poor bastard probably spent his entire paycheck on it. Let him be. Not worth the paperwork. Hold on. Uh, we got another one. Oh, Christ. This guy's packing. Colby refers to another man exiting the shop, this time with two bags. This time, Colby observes an enormous amount of food in the bags. Almost be carrying 25 pounds or more uncooked. Jesus, we gotta take this guy in. Oh, well, I don't think so. Well, that's your brother, Chew. My, my brother? Which brother? <laughs> Which brother? The TV guy. The one that had the meltdown on air. Didn't he get fired for that or suspended? Tony thinks back to his brother and the episode of his cooking show where he seemed to lose his last grip on reality. Then, continue to stir the onions over medium-high heat, adding two teaspoons of brown sugar. Then scrape off the browned bits in the pan frequently until it is caramelized. Now, we add bay leaves and the chicken. Or, in this case, we would add the chicken if it was legal and available. Instead, substitute a 14-ounce can of pulp-free chicken-flavored naturally and stir. And... No matter how I spin this or disguise the flavor, the end result is still going to taste like boiled ass compared to how it's supposed to. I'm supposed to stand here and pretend this sad crap is actually tolerable when in fact it's barely freaking edible. There was never any bird flu. The government tells you there was, and they are lying. No disrespect to the people who died, but this was never about birds. The government has an agenda, and the bird flu hoax is at the heart of it. It's all bullshit! Every word the president said is a goddamn lie! Screw him, screw the Senate, screw the Congress, and screw every goddamn liar in Washington for ratifying a constitutional amendment based on lies, miserable The Culinary Networks, in the kitchen with Chow Chu, went on hiatus immediately after the broadcast of its October 13th episode. The FCC, under the advisement of the FDA, suspended Chow Chu from appearing on the air for eight months and levied a $4 million fine against the Culinary Network, the highest fine in cable network history. I'm bringing him in. What? Hold on. You bust him for that much weight? That's a felony possession. He'll do time. Good. For Christ's sake, Tony, it's your brother. He ought to know better. You're not taking him in. Like hell. Let me go, John. Oh, D-Bear. Huh? D-Bear, there he is. We got him. Entering the shop now is D-Bear, a gangster dressed to the nines, with a rather large individual holding the door for him as he enters. New kingpin in the flesh. He's dropped five bodies. I mean, that we know of. Now he's got the wing meat business corner and the entire south side. We take him now? <laughs> nah. Give him five minutes head start. Let him get inside, get his week's payoff. Maybe I'll have dinner too. There's another charge we can add to the list. Chu and Colby jump out of their van and open the trunk, arming themselves for a bust. Colby throws a bulletproof vest to Chu and motions for him to put it on. Vest? Hell yeah! If we learn anything on this case, it's that D-Bear's got an itchy trigger finger. Come on, baby, lock and load! You sound like an idiot when you say that. Let's just take this guy down without you sounding like a reject from some crappy action movie. Yeah, whatever. On the contrary, my esteemed constables, you won't be doing anything of the sort. Seemingly from out of nowhere, a massive gentleman stands before them. 
He is dressed as if he were a member of Roosevelt's Bull Moose Party, complete with a monocle and well-trimmed mustache and beard. He flashes Chu and Colby his badge. Savoy! Agent Masson Savoy. FDA? The hell? I'm afraid your erstwhile query, one Mr. Deshawn, known by the colorful urban nom de plume of D-Bear, has entered into an arrangement with the United States Food and Drug Administration. In exchange for the information supplied by Mr. Barry, we are allowing him to continue his enterprise unmolested. And I must insist you find law enforcement officers do the same. He wants us to let him go. Yeah, I'm not fucking stupid, Chu. We can't do this, Savoy. We're working a case. This guy's a killer. There is a greater good to bear in mind, I assure So what are we supposed to do now? Well, uh, one of two things, I imagine. Go back to your precinct, complain to your bosses, and see if they complain to my bosses, whereupon your bosses will be reminded of who ultimately has jurisdiction in the matter regarding the transportation, possession, and preparation of legal land and waterfowl. Or, in the spirit of cooperation, you can go into the eatery and enjoy an enticing, albeit extra-legal, regalement of the finest poultry the American black market has to offer. All expense of the United States government. And with my complete and sincere blessing and compliments. The password is Wishbone. Uh, chicken dinner? Flash forward to Chu and Colby standing at the entrance of the, uh, eatery whilst the guard opens the door. This stinks, John. Right, do me a favor, Chu. Don't go ordering some free-range organic beet salad or any hippy-dippy bullshit like that. You go into a chicken speakeasy, you know, anything other than chicken, and they're gonna think you're a cop. Or a fucking asshole. But try not to tip them off that you're both. Password? Uh, wishbone? Table for two. Fucking A, Jeeves, and you make it snappy. The bouncer ushers both men inside and seats them. The waiter practically materializes next to them, ready to accept an order from the two. Ah, uh, yeah, screw the menu. Give me two drumsticks, a breast, uh, thigh, all extra crispy, coleslaw, mashed potatoes, uh, a side of baked beans, great big goddamn Coke to wash it all down with. Very good, sir. And you, sir? What's the soup? Chicken soup, sir. Slow simmered shredded chicken, vegetable, and three bean soup, to be precise. Yeah, that'll... Asshole. Damn. Look at this place. He refers to the restaurant, where a very high society crowd has gathered for dinner. Your brother's right, you know. Poultry prohibition, that's bullshit. The FDA's turned into a bunch of fucking fascist pricks. How many people outside the government really want chicken to be outlawed? Bird flu or no bird flu? It's the law. Yeah, we're both assholes for enforcing it. Ain't real police work. We got D-Bear solid on five murders. You telling me that isn't real police work? Hey, it's like the saying goes. You outlaw chicken, and only outlaws eat chicken. That isn't how the saying goes. Your meals, sir. Oh, goddamn, I've been looking forward to this. John wastes no time tearing into the chicken, enjoying every bite. Tony tepidly stares at his soup. Mmm, that is some mighty fine fried chicken. How's your soup taste? Tony sips his soup. All at once, he is hit by what seems like thousands of horrific images of slaughter. Some from chicken, some from the blood of the unseen cook, and some from what seems like over a dozen other faces in their last moments, screaming in terror. Uh, Pam Whitaker, hitchhiker, 17-year-old runaway, 
Elizabeth Bacon bag girl at a grocery store. She helped him out of the store, carried his bags out for him. He took them. And 11 other girls chopped him up, did things to him, ate them. What the fuck are you talking about? Who did this? Cobb. His name is Tracy Lee Cobb. He's a soup chef. Okay, you're telling me there's a serial killer in the back room in the kitchen. Oh, Christ, Tony. And you know this because of your, uh, your, your thing? He's leaving soon. He drifts to find new girls. He's, he's itching to move on. The urge to kill is getting too strong. Okay, come on, partner. FDA's got no jurisdiction on this. I'm going to take this sick fuck here and now. We jump now to the kitchen, where several chefs are busy at work. Tony and John kick down the doors, guns drawn. Police! Everybody stay cool. Don't give a rat's ass right now about your chicken operation you got running here. But if your name is Tracy Lee Cobb, raise your hands high in the air and step forward slowly. Without warning, one of the chefs hurls a meat cleaver towards the cops before making a break for the back door. The cleaver embeds itself into the side of Colby's skull. He falls to the floor, hemorrhaging blood. John, John, John! Oh, the hell are you waiting for, Tom? Get him! John loses consciousness, still bleeding. Tony lays his partner down and gives chase to the man who threw the cleaver. He bursts through the back door and draws his gun. The chef, stopping in his tracks, turns and brandishes another knife. Freeze! You ain't taking me, cop! Gun in a knife fight. You lose. Now, you're going to tell me the name of every single one of your victims. I got a few of them in my head already. Other memories are jumbled, not so fresh. Brandy Davidson met her in a dance club, took pictures of her tied up before you did your thing, didn't you? Pam Whitaker, you picked her up on a drive to Alexandria. Remember her? I want to know about the others, Cobb. All 13. What the hell are you? Tell me their names, Cobb. Where you did them and how. I'm going to close these cases. Give the girls peace. Give their families closure. Screw you, Cobb! Their names, Cobb. Not another step further. I'm getting those names, Tracy. I told you, you're not taking me in. I'm not going back. One way or another. Before Tony can even finish his statement, Tracy Lee Cobb slits his own throat with the knife. He falls to the ground. Damn it! You'd rather die than go to jail? Fine. But I'm still getting those names. In his last moments, Tracy watches in shock as Tony bends down next to him and begins to take bites out of Tracy's body. Even as Tracy passes, Chu remains, taking bite after bite out of Tracy's corpse. Later, Chu sits in the office of Captain Edward April as he listens to the debriefing. A good caller, Chu. Even if we don't have the slightest friggin' idea how you did it. Names of all 13 girls check out. Cases spread across five states and eight counties. Some of them been for years and have been completely written off as cold cases. You found a bone saw in Cobb's apartment, blood streaks in the bathtub, $8,000 under his mattress and cash, and a refrigerator full of human heads and meat. You also found an ice chest in his car, outside work, filled with chicken breasts. He was smuggling them out of the restaurant, as well as trace amounts of human flesh that he was using to cut the soup. Cutting the soup with meat from his victims? High price for chicken on the black market. Must have figured D-Bear was going to get wise, Cobb had a bus ticket with his money stashed and stuff packed like he was ready to split. Sure seems like he did a hell of a job, Chew. Sure seems like it. 
Except your partner is still in surgery. Doctor says he doesn't have a shot in hell of making it through the night. The other murderer, the one you spent the last two months investigating, who turned out to be an FDA informer, is now MIA. After discovering two cops in the heart of his illegal chicken franchise. And... I've got two beat cops on the record say they found you on top of a cannibal serial killer who'd slashed his own jugular. And they had to pull you off because you were too busy biting off his face. You feeling like explaining that to me? (laughs) Not just why you repeatedly bit the late Mr. Cobb, or even why he sliced his own throat, but how exactly you became aware of his proclivities. Or how you knew the name and circumstances of the death of every single one of his 13 victims. I mean, no problem if you don't, because Eternal Affairs is outside looking for the same explanation. Your city lawyer wants a word with you, along with the department psychiatrist. And then, of course, there's the FDA. Biting a perp's corpse? Tony? What the hell were you thinking? Look, you're a good cop, even if you're an odd duck. But I'm afraid under the circumstances, there's too many questions. You're going to have to hand over your badge and gun. Now, I'll go to bat for you however I can, and maybe I can keep you out of jail or the loony bin. But I'm guessing your days as a law officer are over. On the contrary, my esteemed constables, this is but the August prelude of what is sure to be a lengthy and storied career in law enforcement. Savoy? You made a discovery tonight. One that allowed you to bring down a heinous and depraved serial murderer. We made a discovery too. One that will provide us with a valuable resource in our continuing fight against crime. I, uh, huh? Effective immediately. You are an employee of the Special Crimes Division of the Federal Government of the United States of America. You work for us now. Welcome to the FDA, Agent Chu. Well, that was unnerving. Here, have some fun 8-bit to cleanse your palate. Yay! More food phrasing! And, while I have you here, why don't I tell you about where else you can find us? If you love our podcast, and who doesn't, Feel free to subscribe to us on SoundCloud, Buzzsprout, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, feel free to check us out on social media. And, of course, there is always our YouTube, where you can check out our classic productions, such as Kingdom Come, Giant Size X-Men, The Long Halloween for you guys in the spooky mood. There is so much good. Alright, enough of the chipper-chitter-chatter. Let's get back to Chew and meet our players descending down the grisly path. I'm Daniel Rutz, and I'm playing Tony Chu. I'm Matt Delhauer, and I'm playing Agent Mason Savoy and Mr. Tomaki. I'm Jeremy Doyle, and I'm playing Danny the Fast Food Clerk. I'm Cody Harris, and I am playing Appleby, older customer and sushi chef. I'm Nick Petromilli, and I play Evan Pepper, the henchman and the thug. Chu. Issue 2, by John Lehman. Prologue. We find ourselves in a fast food restaurant. The young cashier, staring off into space, is approached by one of his elderly customers. Excuse me! Excuse me, young man! Um... The hamburger I ordered has cheese on it! 
So, take it off, lady. Young man, I do not appreciate your tone. For your information, I have trouble with the digestion of dairy. All right, all right. Hold your horses, Granny. I didn't ask for your life story. I'll get you a new burger. Pushy old bat. He takes the burger into the back. A thought occurring to him, he shoves his finger up his nose and pulls out a disgusting wad of mucus. He opens the burger and goes to put the booger into the woman's burger. <laughs> huh? Before he can do anything else, Danny discovers that the burger is already occupied by a severed human finger. End prologue. Here's Tony Chu. It's Tony's first day as an agent with the Special Crimes Division of the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the most powerful law enforcement agency in the world. When Tony walked into the office this morning, he was given the file of every open murder case involving food-related crime and or cannibalism in the last eight years. He was told he was expected to close one case a week, no matter how old or cold the case. It was Tony's new boss, Mike Appleby, who gave him that order. This is Mike Appleby. He has an immediate and intense hatred for Tony, and he's determined to make Tony's new career at the FDA a pure and unending living hell. How are you coming with those case files, freak show? Uh, there's a lot to digest here, sir. That's some sort of joke, Chew? No, no. Not. What I mean is... Uh... Some of these files haven't been touched in years. No evidence, lost evidence, mislabeled report statements. It's gonna take a while to get up to speed. You're gonna be one of them, are you? An excuse maker? I, no, sir. No, sir, boss. I, I just meant I've got a lot of reading and catching up to do. Damn right you do. What's this? Th this? My lunch, sir? I, I thought I would take lunch at my desk while I reviewed these old case files. Your lunch? Yes, sir, boss. Beet salad. Beats? You mean the one thing, according to your file, that blocks your little freak show foodstuff psychic superpower? Are you actually that stupid, Agent Chu? Are you just trying to aggravate me? We didn't hire you for your sterling detective prowess. Doesn't matter anyway. This being your first day in all, your lunch today is uh, my treat. You didn't have to do that, boss? No, really. It's my pleasure. I hope you like finger foods. Appleby presents Chu with an old styrofoam hamburger container, marked as from McBeefy's. Chu opens the lid to find the hamburger with the severed finger from earlier. Oh, Jesus. How old is that thing? Practically prehistoric. Took a couple of days to work up the bureaucratic chain, and it probably wasn't all that fresh to begin with. Some brain-dead fast food fry monkey found this in the back room of McBeefy's over in Greenpoint. And you are going to tell me exactly who this b displaced digit belongs to. I, uh, you're kidding, right? You want me to run this over to forensics or something, right? Appleby stares at Chew. Num-num in your tum-tum, Agent Chew. I, uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure this is in my job description, Mr. Appleby. Listen here, fuckface. I tell you what's in your job description, and then you do what I say, right down to the goddamn T. Could I possibly make myself any more clear on this, Agent Chu? <laughs> My friends, do I detect the slightest degree of 
consternation amid our humble vocational paradise? Your insubordinate new parter doesn't want to do his job, Agent Savoy. And this raving asshole is pissed because I don't want to eat a decomposing finger. Anthony, I hope you don't mind me calling you Anthony. As you're going to discover, this job will take us down some of humanity's darkest paths. Into the blackest recesses of the human heart and soul. Things you've never encountered, and probably never even imagined. It is our place to make sense of this darkness. To find our way back to the light. For the sake of the innocent and the uncorrupted. Do you imagine whoever lost this finger does not want to be rescued? And... If he is in no state to be rescued, does he not want to be avenged, or laid to rest, or given closure? It is a sad fact, and an awful truth. Sometimes, in the course of this job, you are going to eat terrible things, all in the name of justice. Now, if it is your preference, I shall perform the ingestion. Mason goes to eat the finger, but stops as Chu expresses his shock. You? You're... A SIBOPATH? Indeed I am, Agent Chu. That's the scientific name for people like you and I, for what we can do. SIBOPATHs. We're an extremely rare breed, you and I. There are only three verified, documented SIBOPATHs in existence. Yeah, and the other one's a stinking Ruski. He's Siberian. And a singularly unpleasant individual. As distasteful as it is to ingest a decaying finger... It is for the greater good. Sometimes, our only choice. It's a choice you already made once, when you decided to dine on the unrepentant killer in order to find the identity of his victims. This thing we share, Sibopathy, it is a gift. Though it often may seem the opposite, it is also an obligation. A modest means of defense against a world that can be unspeakably cruel and terrifyingly violent. Now, if you don't mind... No, Agent Savoy, I'll... I'll do it. I, uh, I guess. It's my job. Right? Chu takes the finger from Savoy, and, with great trepidation, takes a bite. Immediately, he receives a vision from the man to whom the finger belonged. Meet Evan Pepper. He's a health inspector for the state of New York, with territories concentrated around Williamsburg, Brooklyn. He's been on the job for 13 years. He has an ex-wife who does not talk to him, alimony he can't afford, a two-bedroom apartment in the Park Slope, and a miniature dachshund named Mr. Butterworth. Recently, Evan Pepper made a strange and disturbing discovery of some very peculiar containers in a warehouse, and made some dangerous people very angry as a result. No, no, please, please. I won't say, I won't anything. say anything. Tell him. Tell him. Please, please tell him. Tell I won't breathe a word. word. Tell, tell Mr. Mon- Mon- Before he can say another word, Evan loses his finger. What's the deal, rookie? You get anything? Uh, Evan P. P. Trash can! He only just makes it to the trash can. Christ, rookie. Grow a pair. You get the information or not? Ugh. Evan Pepper. Health inspector. You get a home address? Just in the neighborhood, Brooklyn, Park Slope. Not bad, rookie. That matches up with our fingerprint info. Agent Finger Chewer here can canvas McBeefy's where his lunch special showed up. You you already had the information from the fingerprints? And DNA. You made me eat that and you already had the information? You son of a bitch. It is not worth it, lad. 
Not right now. I guess we'll settle this later, freak show. Maybe when your guardian angel isn't around to save you. Later on, Chu has made his way over to McBeefy's, where he confronts the teenage cashier who discovered the finger. I told you, I don't have to tell you a damn thing! Listen, son, you're not in trouble. I just, I want to ask a couple questions regarding that finger. Oh, yeah? And what if I don't feel like answering? My dad is a lawyer, and he says all of you FDA guys are a bunch of fascists. He says the only reason chicken was outlawed is so jerk-off FDA bullies like you can have an excuse to hassle people. I know my rights, cop. Is that so? Unless I've been selling chicken, smuggling chicken, or eating chicken, you got no cause to mess with me. I told you my dad's a lawyer. I know the truth. Everybody does. This whole chicken prohibition is bullshit, and there was never a bird flu it was just a conspiracy. Hmm? Tony hasn't been paying too much attention to the smartass at the counter. His attention is now drawn to the blonde sitting at the booth in the corner. She takes a careful bite of a McBeefy's burger, winces, and then makes a couple of notes in her book. It's clear that Chu is immediately smitten. Hey! Are you listening to me, cop? I, uh, huh? We done now, cop? The blonde, finished with her meal, cheerfully exits the restaurant. Chu watches as she leaves. I, uh... Can I get back to work now, cop? We are. Uh, go ahead. I need to make a phone call anyway. Tony steps aside and dials his cell phone. The young punk celebrates with his co-workers, having stuck it to the man. This is Agent Chu. I have a uh, an exclusion request. Subject name is Cornblum. Daniel, C-O-R-N-B-L-U-M. Huh? Subject has identified father as a vocal dissenter. Request strike team sent to residence for elimination of agitator. Mm-hmm. That's right. Better make that all the family just to be safe. A bullet to the head? That's just fine. Or take your time with them, if you like. Have some fun. What are you doing? We jump to the man on the other end of the phone call. It's Savoy, at Pepper's apartment. He's enjoying the pseudo-conversation as it unfolds. Sounds like you're having some fun. Let me guess, some snot-nosed, politically aware, teenage punk giving you attitude? More or less. It's shaping up to be a lousy day, and I need to take my aggression one way or another. There's nothing here, by the way, and certainly nothing in the way of cooperation. Uh, mister... Uh, nor here, my boy. The good Squire Pepper abandoned his residence some time ago. Three weeks ago, give or take, and in considerable haste, judging by the dishevelment of his domicile. Even left his little doggy behind. Unfortunate creature was practically skin and bones. Ah, poor thing. I'll tell you anything, officer! Anything you want to know! Anything! Poor thing indeed. Call me should your further investigation bear fruit. As Savoy hangs up, we see the corpse of Pepper's dog. He was skin and bones, as Savoy described, but there is also a bite-sized wound on the dog's back. Yeah, sure. Okay. 
Where were we? Last weekend, I stole $40 from the register so Frank Martin and I could buy beer and weed. And it wasn't the first time I've done that. And Chuck Foster and Candy Duchesne have been having sex every day in the back room and not cleaning up. And three weeks ago, Mitch Baker peed in the ice machine on a tear. And then we double dared him to pee in the drum of the artificial chicken that the manager had bought in Japan on the black market. And I also downloaded all of my term papers for the semester off of the internet, along with three gigs of music and 12 gigs of porn. But I swear to God, I don't know anything about where the finger came from. <sighs> Please don't have my family killed, officer. I was never going to, you little moron. And for the record, it's agent, and not officer. Now, show me this black market chicken you were talking about. He leads Chu into the back room, where a container of black market chicken sits against the back wall. The same sort of container that Pepper had found before losing his finger. Mason, I think I've found something. And so, just an hour or so later... I thought we'd, you know, stake out the place or something first. Me and my old partner... All we practically did was steakhouse. Ah, yes. Your old partner, Mr. Colby. I read his file. Seemed like a fine detective. Unfortunate what happened to him. I'm afraid we do not have the luxury of time, though, Anthony. Should word get back that the FDA is sniffing around, our single lead is sure to all but evaporate. That logo you discovered on that drum of chicken belongs to Sushiono which so happened to receive a D rating during its last two city health inspections. Inspections conducted by one Evan Pepper. Go in there. Keep your eyes and ears open. Sushiono's owner is a gentleman by the name of Soto Tamaki. Present yourself as someone in the market for some inexpensive chicken in large quantities, and you'd heard scuttlebutt that Tamaki was the man to see. You're not coming in? No, my dear boy. You are as yet an unknown quantity in the world of criminal comestibles, whereas I have history in the Food and Drug Administration, and the likelihood of someone recognizing me is only exceeded by... Anthony, are you listening to me? He's not. Something in the shop across the street has caught his eye. Particularly, the person making a purchase at the register. It's... it's that girl. Uh, you know her? Uh, no, but I'd like to... Well, the job, young man. Leave the romance for your off hours. I know, I know. <laughs> Here goes nothing. Taking a breath, Tony crosses the street and enters the sushi shop. Sorry, we're closed. The uh, sign says you're open till 10 p.m. Plus, I just want a couple quick hand rolls. I'll eat quick, in and out, in no time. No, no. Sushi no fresh today, you know like. You'd be surprised at what I can stomach. Uh, besides, it couldn't possibly be as bad as my lunch. Hmm. <laughs> Reluctantly, the chef pulls up a chair for Chu and serves him the last bit of sushi from the day. Actually, the reason I stopped by was to say hello to a friend, business acquaintance, to, to be precise, friend of a friend, Mr. Tamaki. You think he might have a moment for a word? He takes a bite and has to keep from retching. Uh, oh my. The sushi is really old. Yeah, it's always old. We don't want anybody to eat here. That why food's so bad. And anybody who knows the first things about Mr. Tomaki knows that. That's how we know you lying about being a friend, mister. That's how we know you got to die. From the back room, a rather menacing group of enforcers emerge, brandishing blades. Hold on, my name's Chu, FDA. FDA? That just means we get to cut you up into smaller pieces and hide your body more carefully when we're through. Savoy, you read me? Call for backup. 
Without hesitation, Savoy bursts through the window, blades drawn and murder in his eyes. Backup has arrived! One by one, Savoy begins to take out all of the enforcers with sheer brute strength and shocking speed. They try using throwing stars to stop him, but Mason merely takes them in the arm and throws them back with deadly force. Before long, the entire room has been cleared out. <sighs> Lovely. No doubt I'll be absolutely profuse with the redolence of rotting fish for the rest of the night. Later on, once the police and paramedics have arrived on the scene... You... you were amazing in there. All the day's work, my boy. Did you think you would be some file sorter and pencil pusher? You're in the FDA now. That sort of stuff happens all the time. And you'll need to be prepared for it as well. What about Evan Pepper? He's still missing. Despite appearances to the contrary, Agent Chu, I'm not omnipotent. Some cases actually take more than a single day to solve. But Appleby... Tomorrow morning, we'll get IDs on the men we just took down. And each and every one of them will be positively identified as Yakuza enforcers. Every one of them wanted for several crimes among Interpol, the FBI, the KGB, and any other number of law enforcement agency that uses letters for names. Appleby will be overjoyed we brought in a case of this caliber. Give a crack a smile. Buck up, lad. This is what we refer to as the end of a good day. Enjoy it, because with this job, this is about as close to a happy ending as we get. As they walk away, we catch a glimpse behind the sushi shop, where a bloodied arm is hanging out of a dumpster. It is marked with the same logo as the containers that Pepper had found. Later still, and elsewhere... Got some news, boss, and you ain't gonna like it. All them Yakuza boys you brought in to head up the New York operation, they're busted. That phony restaurant of theirs was swarming with FDA feds. We got us a picture of who set it off before the, all the security cameras got deactivated by ninja throwing stars. He slides him a picture of Tony Chu. Him! That's the boy that done made the trouble! I want a name, Caesar. And once you have that, put out the word, bring you that agent's head, and I'll pay whoever does the D5 million Dollars. And that is the end of what is truly our most ridiculous reading of a script. <laughs> I was just like the ninja throwing stuff. Yeah, <laughs> so you have to throw that in there. I, I never know how to like approach that. Every yeah. time it comes up, I'm like, why am I saying yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's totally reasonable to <laughs> Thank you all for listening. As I mentioned before, there's a lot of good stuff from Cape Swoosh left to check out, so don't miss out. Subscribe and keep tuning in for more comic fan goodness, including our upcoming Halloween Witch Spooktacular, where we cover three beloved witch comics, Scott Snyder's Witches, Cullen Bunn's Harrow County, and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. We'll see you guys next time.